0: Large entry Williams, and you're listening to Adopting It Forward. Adopting It Forward allows people to share their adoption stories in order to encourage you wherever you are in your adoption marathon. From bystander to runner in training to participant. Enjoy today's story. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Adopting It Forward. Today, you guys will hear from our new friends, Derek and Jennifer Moffitt. Stan and I met this couple at an E1A retreat a few months ago. Our local TV station has a program called Wednesday's Child, where they highlight a child who needs a home. Ever watch something like this and wonder what may or may not have happened to that child? Well, today you'll find out about one. So now, Please enjoy my conversation with Derek and Jennifer. All right. Welcome, Jennifer and Derek. Oh, my gosh. Thank you guys for doing this.
1: Well, thank you for having us. We're excited to be here.
0: I love that you're in my house. It's so nice to get to do an interview that's not on Zoom. (laughs) yes it is (laughs) really anything that's not on zoom i mean that's always nice so you guys are comfy we came in and you've never been over here and we've only met a couple of times right which
1: i feel like we're like
0: besties or something though because i don't know what we're in that golf cart at that retreat for like an hour or something (laughs) we We covered a lot
2: of ground we did it was so
0: nice We met you guys at this fabulous retreat with E1A, Mm -hmm. which now Stan and I are very excited about becoming involved in this nonprofit. Mm -hmm. How did you guys come into E1A? (laughs) This is a great story. (laughs) I... Used to be a
2: preschool teacher, and I had this beautiful family uh, that I had two of their kids in a row. And this family had one child of every color. I called them the Crayola Box family. The every shade from <laughs> white teeth. to black and in between, just a beautiful family. They, of course, were all adopted kids. And so when we adopted the mother of this family, her name is Stacy, she posted on Facebook one day how much she loved her adoption group and how much she just loved being around that group of women and I thought oh isn't that nice and we were either preparing to adopt or just had and about six months later I was in desperate need of support (laughs) because I didn't know what I was doing and why none of my regular parenting was working and so I reached out to Stacy and said tell me about this group you have I need these people And she messaged me back and said, well, actually, we have our first retreat or our second retreat coming up this weekend. And somebody had to cancel at the last minute. So there's an empty space if you want to go. And I said, yes, I'll go. (laughs) I didn't know how I would make it happen, but I'll go. And so two days later, I showed up at this retreat full of women, and I didn't Mm. know a soul, but I was so desperate Mm. for somebody who got it, and for somebody who understood what the journey is like, that I was willing to go alone and meet a room full of strangers, (laughs) and today they're some of my best friends.
0: Wow, that was really brave, especially as women. We're not so great like just stepping in like that, but I've never felt anything more connecting than the retreat that Stan and I went on. It was, okay. it was precious. And this ministry does so much for so many people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It does. How have you guys grown through being involved in E1A?
2: Well, for me, I have just learned from people who have been doing this a lot longer than I have. And I've learned how to change my expectations. I've learned that these behaviors are not about me, mm-hmm. you know, and that they're not going to change overnight just because... A child got a family, and they should be happy now, right? You know, (laughs) um, I've I've just learned from watching Mm. families who have done it a lot longer than we have.
1: Mm. I would say the same thing. I think maybe knowing that we're not alone, there's Mm. there's other people who've walked this journey who've shared those experiences. I remember the first time I went to the couples retreat, and where all the men are sitting around this fire pit, and we're just taking turns telling our story, and I just listened to story after story, going, "Oh, that's just like me." Mm. Oh. Their kid does that too, you know? And so it was really good to know that there were other people walking through the same journey and have experienced the same things that we can share and learn. Because when you adopt, your other friends, your non-adopted friends, don't really get it. And and they don't right. really understand, and so no,
0: they're excited for you. Right, they right. they come alongside you, and we need them. But it's true; I've never felt such a connection that's so instant yes. as yes. <laughs> with other adoptive families in general. But this retreat is great because mm-hmm. any of these retreats are great because when you're away, you sit down, just like you said, Derek. You sit down, and it's straight Stan said the same thing. He's like, "Whoa, we're going straight deep."
2: Yeah, yes, <laughs> which. <laughs>
0: In general, we don't go deep with right. people, but this is a group of people that it was like, we're desperately needing to have that connection, and we don't have time to sit around making small talk. Let's go. right? And it, Well, and when you have six, seven, eight, nine children,
2: mm-hmm. a weekend away is precious, yes. and you are not going to waste it on small talk.
0: Right, right, <laughs> yes, yes. So, now that's great. So, we just jumped into E1A, but I appreciate you guys. Talking about that and how we're very excited to get to be a part of this. We Mm -hmm. feel so blessed and humbled Mm -hmm. to be a part of these amazing families and all that God's doing there. So tell us a little about yourselves and what do you guys do and about your kids, family.
1: We've been married for 26 years and we have three biological children and two adopted children. And I'm a financial planner on my own small small business, and Jennifer is a school teacher. And, you know, we came to the adoption uh, late kind of in life. Our oldest was in high school. We had a, a daughter in middle school, and, and we adopted a teenager. Uh, it was the first one that we adopted about five, five six years ago now. And and he was just turned 15 right after we got him. So that was kind of a new... We really weren't even looking or planning to adopt. So that was kind of a surprise for us.
2: We already had three teenagers. Mm. and We didn't
1: need any more. Just
0: got one more
2: teenager. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and yes. then one more teenager. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm in the teenage world right now, and it's really not for the faint of heart. You have no, no idea. I mean, I've done it multiple times, but each teenager is unique obviously but I know I, I sh- probably shouldn't sh-
2: say it on the podcast but I say that we're gonna get t-shirts made that say this is not for weenies <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: not whether they're adopted or bio kids That's teenagers right. or just yes you know, super fun I love the teen stage I really do I know that sounds crazy I love a bunch of teenagers in the house mm-hmm. I love all the things but yeah then they're also this really weird roller coaster ride that you're like we had such a great day yesterday and now and today you? you hate me you're right. <laughs> yes <laughs> (laughs) Exactly. Remember when we were friends five minutes
2: ago? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's great. We had the exact opposite conversation on the way here that yesterday I was on the phone with one of my kids therapists saying we are severely struggling here. Let me share with you some of what we're going through Today we had a beautiful day, and he hugged me and thanked me three times for our <laughs> outing. <laughs> and he yeah. didn't go to therapy Surprise! last night. I don't know
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And we just grab it and hang on to yes. it. Right, we're like, right. I will take Save this hug that moment. as long as I can. Yep. I kept and saying, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord. For this. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> we really do. We have to just look back on that and just be so thankful because mm-hmm. we don't know what we're going home to <laughs> at the end of the day. So, and uh, Jennifer, you're a teacher now? Yes, I teach special
2: education uh, with elementary school, so I am with fun kids all day long and then come home to a different set of fun kids. Yeah,
0: Yeah. (laughs) to more fun. Yeah. And have you been teaching a long time or? Not really. I taught
2: in private school. Well, we taught in the Middle East Mm -hmm. when we first got married for one year Mm. and then I was pregnant when we came home from there, so I stayed home with our kids all throughout and um, taught at a private pre-K a couple of days a week so that my kids could go there. So I was where they were, and I did that until the youngest one started school, maybe even a little while after he started school, and then took several years just out to be mom. And so I just went back about six years ago and did it until we adopted. And when we adopted the first time at the end of that school year, I said, there's no way I can keep Mm. doing this. And kudos to the moms who work and walk through adoption they are tough ladies but i sometimes
0: I've, we don't know what else to do right <laughs> i <I'm laughs> <not> just like <laughs> i'm going to work because that's something i know yes. at this point well um, yes. i had the most challenging class i've
2: ever had that mm-hmm. same year and the mm-hmm. most challenging group of parents <laughs> and so then to also have mm-hmm. caseworkers and all trauma all that it was a lot mm-hmm. so i took off for a few years and got that son through high school and after he graduated high school then i went back And so I'm back now. So I've been very on and off
0: as it suited our family. Mm. So what led you guys to adopt this 15-year-old? You said you weren't looking for it, Derek. So how did that come into your lives? Had you thought of adoption when you were younger or anything? Had y'all ever discussed it? You know, we have this funny
1: story uh, about the first time we talked about adoption. After we had our first child... Uh, Aiden, he was about four years old and, and we had had a hard time getting pregnant with, a, with another child. And so it was in this time and we were sitting at the dinner table talking about adoption. And, and Aiden asks, us, he goes, well, what's adoption? Mm-hmm. And we tell him, well, this is where, you know, some parents can't take care of their children. And so those children go and live with new parents. And so we, he goes, well, have you guys talked about adoption? And we said, well, yes. And he gets all teary oh, and he man. looks at us and says, but I don't want new parents. <laughs> Oops. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> so so that was what he was for. So we shelved that conversation for several years, for a couple decade plus. And then Jennifer really could probably tell this story better because she was the one that saw Michael on Wednesday's Child.
2: We were getting ready to moved to Burleson where we live now. And um, we were looking at houses and they were near this water park uh, called Pirates Cove. And so we were getting ready to leave and go on vacation. I was doing laundry and just passing in and out of the living room all morning long. And I happened to walk in and a guy on the news was saying, and now from Pirates Cove in Burleson. And I went, oh, wait, I want to, I want to see this because I want to see if it's too babyish for all my teenagers or if they'll like it. So I stopped to watch it and it is... Wednesday's child and they have a little boy who is playing in the water park and he's telling his story and he's just this mesmerizing kid you know 14 year old kid his voice hasn't changed yet and I'm just I just am watching him thinking he's adorable and the interviewer asked him well what do you want in a family Michael and he said I just want somebody who will be there for me And I was like, well, we can do that. And then I thought, what am I thinking? Stop this, you know? And I rewound it and watched it again and rewound it and watched it again and Derek was out of town. And I laid in my bed that night worrying about this little Michael. And did he know anyone loved him? Did anyone care about him and prayed for him and just thought I'm losing my mind? What's I don't know this child, you know, and the next morning, I went over to help my best friend get ready for her garage sale. And I sat in her garage crying and saying, I don't know what's wrong with me. And she said, I know what's wrong with you. You're his mom. And I said, I know I am. (laughs) And so when Derek came home, I said, honey, what would you think about adopting a kid off of TV? And Derek is a planner. (laughs) He's a financial planner. He is a make a 10 year long range Mm plan guy. And he said, why not? Oh,
0: my goodness. And that was
2: instantly. And that was so not like him at all. Mm -hmm. Well, right about then, our oldest son came through the door and he is used to being the firstborn. He was kind of mad at us for having the other siblings. (laughs) And so and he was about to be a senior in high school and he came through the door and I said, hey, Aiden, what would you think about adopting a kid off TV? And I'm not kidding you. He had not even been in the house when Derek said it. And he said, why not? And I went, oh, man, we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, happening. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So we left the next day for vacation. And the whole vacation, all any of us could talk about was Michael. And Derek had not watched The Wednesday's Child. And our son, Grant, had not watched it. They both wanted to be not moved by the sweet video and make a wise decision, you know. And so all the vacation, the kids kept saying, well, if Michael was with us, he could sleep in my bunk. If Michael was with us, I would share my fishing pole, you know. And so by the time we got home, we just all were like, we have to pursue this, you know, and so we um, went to an informational meeting about adopting kids off the tear website, you know, or something like that. And the lady was kind of crabby. And she said, Oh, you're trying to adopt a specific child. Oh, that almost never works out. Good luck. And she hands us this big packet and says, here's a list of agencies, pick the one that works best for your family. This was all the first week of August. And we were selling our home and I'm a teacher. So I was going back to school. This was the worst time in the world to research agencies. (laughs) So it's like everything always happens in August, all the big decisions. So I'm super overwhelmed just looking at this Mm. big packet. And Derek looks down at it and he goes, oh, the first one on the list is ACH, Child and Family Services. I know the CEO. I go to Rotary with him. I'll give him a call. Research done. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) (laughs) having someone on the inside, I think helped. We had a caseworker within about two days and that lady called me and she said, well, you're not going to believe this, but Michael's CPS caseworker is actually out on paternity leave for six weeks. So they're not doing anything with his case right now. And we have an opening for our class starting this week, our licensing class. For one more couple. So you guys could start and we could have you licensed. If you do everything on our schedule, we can have you licensed before his caseworker comes back. What? And we're like, okay. <laughs> okay. So yes. the next week we were in adoption class and when his we got um, licensed <laughs> on the twenty third of September, I think, and his caseworker came back the twenty fifth. To accept, they opened it that day to accept the home studies. Uh, home studies. Yeah. And there were 13 families submitted for him, and they chose ours. And the rest is history. But
0: he had been waiting so long. Mm-hmm. He, Don't you feel like that's why it was so rushed in some ways for your family? Because you were supposed to be his family, number one. Well, he had only been in care for about
2: two years, Mm -hmm. but he had been waiting, knowing there was no action happening while his caseworker Mm -hmm. was out. And he was just miserable, you know, waiting. And I just know that we were supposed to be his family, you know, that.
1: Yeah. You know, and and sometimes there are things God does where it's all green lights. and, And that's definitely how this experience was for us we got on the highway of adoption and we did not run into one red light we did everything they asked us to do they moved uh, heaven and earth from our perspective to make this happen they chose us of those 13 families i mean there were so many things that just worked out now we've tried to adopt again afterwards and it didn't work out that way so i know it doesn't always do that but in this case it was just so clearly a god thing that it left no doubt in our mind, which was really good because yes. there were times later we were like, Did we do oh yeah, this is right. God did have us do this and all, everything worked out. And so it was just one of those incredible experiences from that perspective. Hmm.
2: Well we saw him on T I saw him on TV on July 9th, and he was in our house October 19th. Oh. And we weren't licensed. I mean, that wow. was that was beginning to end yeah.
0: everything. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Yeah, that's unheard of. Crazy. I mean, no yeah. one, nothing goes that fast. Right. Did you feel like when that was, Was there? I mean, of course you have a lot in your story that you're like, this happened because this needed to happen and so on. But Derek, you just mentioned, was there something you look back on and you're like, because I'm sure it did get hard. And was there a day that you're like, this is why this is the day?
1: There was, there was lots of days. There was lots of days like that. I think one, we are, I mean, we've been married for 26 years. We come from families whose parents have been married for 50. My parents have been married over 50 years and Jennifer's parents have been married close to 50 years now, 48, 48. And so we come from highly committed families. And I think once we made the decision that this is what we were gonna do, there was never ever a question of doing anything else. So I think that was critical for us that once we decided this, we were gonna adopt Michael, we were gonna make it work, no matter what it took, we viewed that the same way we viewed our relationships. We viewed that the same way we viewed our other children. We would never think of giving up a biological child, you know, that was ours. And we had that same perspective. So so that was really probably more critical than even the events that, that led Michael to us, was just knowing that Moffat's commit and, and we stick with it. And you it.
0: weren't going to say, this right. is what we're going to do if... You weren't gonna right, carry it all right. Right. Once through. we
1: decided this is what we were gonna do, there was no never ever an option of looking back or changing. I feel our like mind. there
0: were things that were way harder than you expected.
2: Yes. I was just mm. thinking back in those days we were super naive. That's true. And went, well, mom's <laughs> committed. Like, we're where are you? <laughs> we're in not understanding. I mean, we have we have had dear friends who have had to terminate adoptions yes, because yes. of abuse that was happening in their home on the part of the adopted child, you know, there are times that commitment alone is not enough. And so I think it's important to say that, that that there's no judgment in that statement. Mm -hmm. We are fortunate that, that, that commitment was enough, Mm -hmm. you know, but I do understand that there are times where, where it isn't enough. There were definite moments, you know, when, when we walked through things that we went, Oh, we had no idea. About this. We had no idea that this happened in people's homes, you know, or we we never would have thought we were going to be the people dealing with this. Mm -hmm. And we're so grateful to have those moments that we knew the Lord had. Put us here. He had led us to this Mm. because it would have been really difficult to walk through some things. Now, we've been very fortunate. um, We've not dealt with some of the things, you know, that are just shattering that some of our friends have gone through. You know, we haven't had that experience.
1: I think going back to the E1A experience, that was one thing that really. Woke me up, I guess, to the whole adoption experience was listening to some of the stories and the challenges. You know, now my friends have had to go through that. We we have been fortunate. Uh, we haven't had violence in our home, and we haven't had to deal with a lot of uh, property destruction. And so, some of those things that are really, really difficult that these families have gone through, we we've been fortunate. So, I think Jennifer's right in saying commitment alone isn't always enough. And and it was it was enough for us because we were fortunate to not face some of those more deeper challenges that we know some of our dear really wonderful people have had to friends of ours have had to face
0: oh definitely well and i think there's this terror i would say about older children for the most part yes and some of it is founded but i feel like the worst stories are the ones that get the biggest press I mean, that's just right. how it is. And we have heard some stories that are really hard. I'm sure a lot of people listening may have heard some really hard stories, and they have been through some very difficult stories. Why is it okay to go ahead and step in to a 15-year-old situation? What would you say to someone that's considering, like, I feel led to adopt this 15-year-old When we
2: were asking ourselves that question, why is this okay, I had listened to Lisa Turkhurst um, share her story. She's a a women's speaker and author. And I had listened to her share her story on Oprah of adopting some children, some boys um, from Africa. And she had a teenage daughter or maybe daughters at home. And her husband slept in the living room that divided between the girl's side of the house and the boy's side of the house. And I remember hearing that and thinking, well, that's a little over the top, don't you think? And then thinking, no, I get it. You've invited strangers into your home that you don't know. And you have daughters over there. You, you know, that's wisdom, that's caution. And so that was sort of in the back of my mind when we were looking at bringing home a teenage boy, and we have a teenage girl, and she is the most innocent and naive of all teenage girls. And so we we kind of looked at our home and went, this is not going to work. And we ended up moving to a home that was really better suited for that. And We just had to say to ourselves, we'll mitigate the risks. We'll read the file. We'll know Mm -hmm. ahead of time. And these are the deal breakers that if we read these things, we Mm -hmm. are not going to consider bringing that into our home. Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously, if the Lord, you know, wrote something on the wall or whatever, we'd we'd listen. But these are the deal breakers that we, we are not open to. And they were very few. And everything else, we can mitigate this risk. Mm -hmm. Is it going to be challenging? Yes. Are other teenagers challenging? Yes. And so I would say to someone who's considering, you know, make a list of the things that you know you just don't have room for in your life, in your home, in your mind. And read the file. And if those things are there, you'll know. You know, they, the files are pretty pretty in-depth yeah. and pretty explicit. And so I didn't feel like there were things that were hidden from us, you know, when we got our teenagers. There are things that maybe were worded in a way that were a little tidier than they actually were. <laughs> um,
1: I would say, too, with teenagers. Uh, so we've adopted two teenagers now. And with the second one, he had been placed in a home with some 30 year olds, some young 30 somethings uh, who had never had children before. And it was really rough. It was rough on everybody. And so one of the things from a teenagers perspective, I think having had kids, having walked through teenagers, I remember reading in, in one of the files uh, with, with Michael that he had done something and in the file had made this big deal about it. And it was this terrible thing. And I looked at Jennifer <laughs> and thought, well, our boys have done that. I think one of our that. kids did yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. And so from us, <laughs> right. it was something that needed to be dealt with and coached and trained and all of that, but it wasn't this horrific mm-hmm. event. It's not a major that, deal breaker that thing, Files made it out to be because of the situation that he was in. And so I think having had teenagers and having had boys, especially, Mm -hmm. and walking through some of those challenges, uh, we weren't naive to teenagers. Mm -hmm. We were naive to adopting a teenager and some challenges that came with that, but we weren't naive to teenagers. And so that was really, really helpful. And so I would say if, if you're not had kids before, if you didn't have teenagers, I might proceed with caution on that because that's a whole different animal all in itself, right. you know. Well we don't to deal with. We don't
0: realize until we're in the middle of it right. how manipulative teenagers can be. Because that's what I mean, they work whatever system they're in. So we have to Try to stay ahead of the game
1: right we've learned from thing. our oldest who's biological and, and a wonderful young man he's married now and in doing well but over the years these little stories have come out of some of the things that he's <laughs> right. did in his teenage years you're like years. you did what and so right <laughs> exactly so our, our precious biological <laughs> right. child was quite manipulative <laughs> as a teenager you know we've learned that
0: sure they figure why not <laughs> if they're gonna fall for it and i think too with with teenagers in general i mean they are Super fun, and they're super just mm-hmm. boisterous, and all the things, but it's hard because we have these like you say, we know we were teenagers, of course, and we look back, and sometimes we go in thinking, Well, we're gonna be best friends or whatever. Well, <laughs> even my precious biological daughters, that they are my best friends now, I'm sure they, you know, were throwing knives at me behind their bedroom door someday. <laughs> I don't even know, like at night, oh, I yeah. don't have no idea, but. It's just we have to keep that in perspective. But I love that you guys were willing to do that because you look at these kids who are big and they don't have a family. And we hear so many stories of kids aging out. Yes. And it's tragic that they don't have a place to come home to. They don't have that connection for parents So I really love that you guys have done this twice because how old was your, is it your youngest Youngest now? Yes. Mm -hmm.
2: He was also about to turn 15. He was, he was 14 when we got him. We had done respite care for him. We actually got licensed for a whole other child. One of my students. And for reasons we will never understand, that student did not get placed with us. Mm-hmm. And so now we were licensed. And so we decided to just do respite care while we waited for thinking things might work out with the other little boy and his siblings. And we did respite care for our youngest Royce a few times. And then the family that he was with decided not to adopt him. And so once it became clear that it was not going to work out with the other little boys, then our next question was, well, now, you know, should we step up to adopt Royce? And so we we didn't have all those neat signs along the way like right. we had for Michael, all the open doors. And so we took a week and fasted and prayed about it and did not talk to each other about it for a week. We did not want to influence each other's decision. And we had this agreement. Two yeses are a yes. One yes and a no is a no. And two no's are a no. That's and good advice yes, right there, I yes. think. That's well, good. and having done it before, we mm-hmm. realized how vital it was. That we both were necessary all the way along. You know, we needed each other in it, and Mm -hmm. we had to tag team on it a lot. Yes, Yes. you (laughs) did. Yes, a lot. You have to
0: have those conversations behind your. Closed doors, like, was I too hard on him? What do Mm -hmm. you think? Okay, it's your turn. You go back in. Yes. (laughs) So
2: we really, we knew it was vital to both be on the same page. And Mm -hmm. so we um, took that week and fasted and prayed. And I think both of us had gotten to the point, all of our kids were drivers. All of our kids are independent. So we both, I think, were probably hopeful for a no, because it would be easier. (laughs) Right. And we both came back and said, I feel like that we're supposed to do this you yeah. know and we both we both agreed that that's what uh, the lord had spoken to both of us and so we went forward with royce and he was 14 when he came and of course we knew him a little bit already mm-hmm. and so he's he came in august and we adopted him in april oh wow
0: yeah. so recently yes right Just very hours. recent mm-hmm. today's episode is brought to you by the cookie barn cookies with purpose you guys order some of these cookies are so delicious. They have maple chocolate chunk, plain chocolate chip, chocolate cream. Oh my gosh, they're so good. They have the cream in the middle. Delicious. Sea salt butterscotch, or my own personal favorite, oatmeal cinnamon cookies. Delicious. A portion of every order goes to support, encourage one another, or E1A. A non profit whose mission is to support and encourage foster and adoptive families in order to keep families intact and help them thrive. Now, back to our show. And how do you think this has affected your biological children, adopting these two boys? What do you think they would say about all this?
1: (laughs) I think today... All three of our biological kids would say it was the right thing to do, and they were glad that we did it. I think there's moments along the way that that would not have been the case.
0: They weren't Um, just jumping up and down, thrilled.
1: No. I mean, anyone
0: who would say that, they were not jumping up and down thrilled with their biological siblings, probably, either. Right, right. (laughs) I think with the first adoption,
2: they were all pretty gung-ho, and I kept telling them, kids, this is not like getting a puppy. You know, this is forever, (laughs) And this is going to be another family member, you know. This is not. This is not something that we're going to change our minds on if we do this, you know. And they were all very gung ho and enthusiastic about it. The second time around, there was some more hesitancy because they, they knew, knew exactly. um, that it's a challenge yeah. and that it changes the footprint of your family forever. It changes what the family looks like. Now, of course, they all absolutely adore. Michael that we had adopted. So it was not at all about that. It was, it was just understanding that it's kind of, it's a lot of hoops to jump through, you know, getting there and, and it's new and different is hard. And our youngest really struggled because he was the youngest. And he was kind of excited about the others had all gone off to college Mm -hmm. or gotten married. So he was going to be the last one at home. And he had this picture in his mind of we were just going to go out to eat with him every night and, you know, (laughs) have great talks. The world was going to revolve. Yes. Yes.
1: And he was looking forward to it.
2: He was looking forward to his turn. You know, like (laughs) the older kids had gotten their day in the sun and he was ready for his. (laughs) And so suddenly, that's being shared with somebody else, and so he—that was a challenge for him. Well,
1: not not even just being shared, you know. Especially early on in that adoption journey, you know, it's it's adopting a teenager is a lot like having a baby,
0: mm-hmm. and right. and
1: they need. Your I feel constant. like they go
0: through all the stages. They do. Our kids are not teenagers yet, but they went through the stages. I'm like, they're babies. They're being precious and quiet, and then suddenly they're screaming like two year olds, and then we have to. Go yes. through that process. You
1: do, and they need all of your attention, and they need all of your focus, and it's 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 very demanding, um, you know, physically and emotionally. And so, mm-hmm. for Grant, I think part of that challenge was that not only does he have to share, he even gets robbed a little bit of the attention because it, the the new adopted kid, the new baby to the family, requires a lot more time, effort, emotion, and energy in that first in those first few you know, months and years even sometimes.
2: And that's certainly not his fault. You know, he's he's just been put in our house, you know, so he's, he's doing, he's doing the the best he can to adjust. Right. Um, so, you know, it's, it's challenging for all of them, but now that they've all, um, developed a relationship with each other and now, I mean, they're just family just yesterday. Um, Grant, our youngest biological child, had a birthday and we have a tradition in our family of going around the table at at the birthday meal and just saying something we really love and appreciate about that person. And everybody does it. If you're a guest with us for dinner, you're doing it too. I mean, everybody (laughs) everybody does it. it. And so Royce, you know, he's pretty new to the family, but um, he's been around a couple of birthday dinners. And so he said last night, What I love about Grant is he's my big brother and in the locker room, if anybody's giving me a hard time, he's going to defend me. Aww. And I thought, I love to hear that, that they have, he called him my brother, you know, that they have this brother relationship mm-hmm. and that's, he hasn't been a it very long. And, and
0: Grant uh, got a chance to be a big brother. Yeah. He may not have even thought about himself that way if yeah. he's been the baby for so long. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Aw. Yeah, that's so special. That big, that's that just like what moment. we dream of with our kids. We just latch onto that. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you have changed your parenting because you've been parenting so many kids You're at this point now where you're like, well, on these, I can have a different perspective. I feel like for us, it definitely did. You know, we're talking about a lot of people say to us, you're giving up your empty nesting years. What are you doing? (laughs) When we adopted and we're like, I don't, I just don't think of it like that. And it's been a blessing, but I also definitely parent differently. Not just because they're adopted, but because... I'm not so high strung probably about a lot of things. Maybe we kind of, just like you're talking about the difference in teenagers, but. I'm
1: way more calm now than I was 10 years ago or 15 years ago. <laughs> I, I mean, some of that is calm. is the calm, word, but relaxed. But relaxed, yeah. yeah I'm relaxed. am mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, some of this is our maturity too. And, and right. I, I think that life is a journey. And so hopefully as, as our, our oldest is 23, hopefully in those 23 years, we've grown as well as parents and we've learned and we've made some changes and some adjustments and we've educated ourselves in different styles. And there were times we were going through the training uh, for the adoption where I thought, I wish somebody would have told me this yes. before I had babies. I would have done Same. things completely different. And so we're in a growing journey as well, as along with our kids.
2: Well, our expectations have changed a lot, you know, I mean when our firstborn was going to kindergarten, of course I wanted him to be the best reader and I wanted him to <laughs> right. be you know, I wanted him to achieve in all areas and, and reach perfection at everything because he was a little muffin. We were going to give him every every advantage, you know. <laughs> right. And now I'm like did you wear pants to school? Great. You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean? my, my standards have changed a lot in terms of what's really important. And yes. what's really important to us at the end of the day is that these kids know and love the Lord and that they find their purpose in their life and they find joy in their life and that they feel like they have a family they can come home to. And all the rest of it, you know, whatever. So mm-hmm. I've changed a lot in right. terms of just mm-hmm. having these high expectations that are my picture of success and achievement. Now I understand I'm looking for what is success and achievement for them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And right. that's that's different.
0: And it does look different with every child we have. But a lot of times with adopted children especially, they've come from trauma. There's all mm-hmm. these other things. And we're like, hey, we're not this is not the same kind of pressure. I'm I'm not gonna put that on this kid because they don't need any more pressure. They've had plenty.
1: I remember with Michael, uh, he had just gotten to our home. He's a freshman in high school. And we made the decision to not make a big deal about grades with him for a little while. Our thought process was, we're gonna let him get safe with us. Mm -hmm. And then when he's safe, we'll start working on those other things. And so Jennifer had gone to a meeting at school and the counselor was there. And Jennifer's like, well, we're not really worried about this. And you could just see the anxiety on the counselor's face. What do you mean you're not worried about this? And, <laughs> and it was a conscious decision on our part. Mm-hmm. And we knew, you know, if he has to go to summer school and make up a grade, it'll be okay in the end. As long as he feels safe, that's the most. we can build on that principle.
2: Well, he was failing geography and she was very upset about it, very worried about it. What are you going to do about this? And I finally looked at her and I said, he has a new family new home, new school, new church, new town, new bed, new everything. He does not care where a river in China is. (laughs) We're going to deal with what he cares about right now. Mm. And is it, I still get to go back to that same bed tonight with those same people. Yes.
0: I love you being strong for him because that's one of the things I feel like we do for our kids is we advocate for them. Mm -hmm. And when people put things on them that they don't need at that point, we're the one that steps in. I have done the same thing with my kids in so many ways that I never felt comfortable doing before. Mm -hmm. I've stepped in and been like, you know what? Yeah, okay, you just barely passed. And we would, yay, we did it. (laughs) Or I also paid for grades, which I'd never done with my biological daughters. Because if that was important, you know, they were thrilled about that and they're like, okay, but I didn't do it the very first year that they were with us. Because mm-hmm. that wasn't what we were all about. It was safety, right? right. Safety yeah. and acceptance. That's what we're working for right now. And then,
2: and you know, that first year he was with us, he struggled with his mm-hmm. grades. He he had to retake some classes. You know, it wasn't a transcript he would be proud of. Mm-hmm. And every year after that, his grades got better and that's better. Exactly and I like it. Yeah, and by his safer and safer. That's right. Yes, and by his senior year, he was right in the middle class. You know, I mean, he was he had recovered a lot of ground and. He went to junior college for a year, and then now he's in an OA college, you know, and he got there. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he would have if we had pressured him right. on something that he did not have the capacity for. He was spending every bit of emotion and thought and energy that he had on remembering all of our names and birthdays. Right. And you know, and just on, trying to fit
0: in yes. in your family. Yes. Yes. And funny. I mean there
2: is there's is scientific data to show how much you can handle in your top of mind awareness at once. And he's learning all the things about our family, how how we just do things, you know, where the ketchup goes. All those things and He didn't have capacity at that time for so much school stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, and we did what we could to just kind of drag him along for a little while. And then eventually, he got his legs under him, and he was able to finish it himself Mm -hmm. and to do everything, you know, successfully. And so that's now we're kind of in that same boat again, going, okay, we got to get this
0: new 15 year old (laughs) up to speed and we will. That's good perspective, though, for people to hear whether you're adopting a school age child or you know, there's just different expectations.
1: You really, if you don't have that safety and security piece resolved, not that it ever probably really gets resolved, right. but but if you don't build, you don't. That's your foundation piece, and really you can't build on anything until you get that safe and secure. Mm-hmm a piece really at least somewhat taken care of in their mind. And that sometimes can take years and years, if, if ever, if it's mm. achievable, I would say too, you know, Jennifer and I taught English uh, as a second language uh, in the United Arab Emirates right out of college. And so one of the things that was helpful to us was, you know, we experienced culture shock. We knew what it was like <laughs> so to, go and that. Write, to go and have to think all the time mm. and learn a new way and, and, and not to know how to greet somebody and to think, okay, what do I do in this situation? And so, it's it's very mentally and emotionally exhausting. And so a lot of that time when, when Michael came, we would compare it. Oh, he's going through culture shock. Mm. He's got to be experiencing yeah. that same thing. So we did have that ability to relate to what it was like mm-hmm. to go into a new culture that we didn't understand and not speak the language and not know the customs and not know the routines and have that adjustment period. So that helped me at least mm-hmm. really relate to him as he was going through culture shock in our family.
2: So then imagine our newest son, We he's been in about a dozen homes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. every time he's in a home, the rules, the expectations, what's okay there is different. Wow. So that's culture shock over and yeah, over and is. over again. And so many
0: kids have done that mm-hmm. in different foster homes. Wow. These poor kids. So how have you discussed your kids' adoption stories with them? They're old enough to remember where they came from. But what kind of things have you said to them about adoption to help them kind of assimilate with you guys? I don't know if it's a lot different than a little one.
1: You know, one thing Jennifer decided and said early on, which I thought was really good, was we made a decision not to be critical of their past family. You know, much like sometimes when people go through divorce, you know, you have spouses choose to not criticize the other spouse in front of their children. We felt that was really important to not remind them or not because they don't need a reminding, they lived it, but to not point out all the faults or all the things and yet be honest and listen Mm. and deal with those challenges, but not to be critical of the previous homes they had been in and families they had been a part of.
0: Mm.
2: We have had to say on multiple occasions, you know, we've got to teach you this because someone should have taught you this when you were three or four. And so it's harder for you to go through learning to accept no, or to mm-hmm. say yes, ma'am, and not argue back about things, you know, or whatever, you know, things that we taught our other kids when they were really small. Um, someone should have taught you this before and they didn't. Or you're struggling with this because you didn't always get all the food you needed when you were little, mm-hmm. or you didn't always feel safe in this situation when you were little. That's why you struggle with this. So we'll tie it Things back to their history, but not necessarily to their previous caregivers or parents, because those people are part of them. And we know if we attack their mother or their father, that's part of them, you know, and so. Right, right. because then we're trying to say we're better than them in some way. Right, right. So we're really careful about that. But one thing that we have found really successful with both of our kids and with both of our adopted kids, and this just sort of happened organically, is noting how they're like us. And so (laughs) like Michael and I love jamming to any kind of old music and it comes on the radio and we are both bobbing our head and singing (laughs) along. And I will just look at him and say, you are so my son. You are so (laughs) much like me in this and finding ways that they're just like us in that. Michael loves journals, books, pens, satchels, In that way, he is... Derek, 100%. And I'll be like, look at you, mini dad walking by, you know. Mm. And so just today, Royce and I had the same kind of conversation. We're finding ways now that you know, he's he's new to us, we're figuring out what ways. So just today, he has this beautiful golden brown complexion. And so I told him in the winter, he was worried about looking different than us. And I told him in the winter, don't worry, by August, I'll be the same color as you. (laughs) It happens every summer. So today, he put his own arm over and compared it to me. And we were were exactly this. Our arms were just about exactly the same wow. color. And I said, see, I am your mom. <laughs> and that has been a really fun yeah. way to build connection is just finding the ways that you could be my biological child, you know. And right. I don't know that that would work <laughs> for every kid, but with ours, it, it has. Yes, yeah.
0: It does make them feel connected to the family, though. Mm-hmm. We do that with our kids, too. James, he'll make dad jokes the same as Stan does. And we're all, I'm like, oh, boy, you're your father's child. you know. <laughs> He's all proud of himself when he makes those. So the show is called Adopting It Forward. How have you seen what Christ has done for us, those of us who are believers, in your adoption story? Have you seen that played out?
1: Lots of times. Um, I, I remember with Michael— one of the key lessons the Lord really taught me was about answering prayers. And there was this time when we found out about Michael, we knew he was going to be able to be adopted and they had made the decision, his caseworkers and all had made the decision not to tell him about that there was a family because he had a couple of families that had fallen through and they said, you know what, we're not going to say anything to him until this is done. And so here we are, we are working like crazy behind the scenes. I mean, Jennifer's the most on top of all the paperwork and we're turning things in and we're going to these classes and we're working. And here he is sitting in this residential treatment center out in the middle of East Texas with no idea that God is going to answer his heart's cry and is working on providing that answer. And it wasn't until the right time that he learned God's answering your heart cry. He heard the cry of your heart and is gonna give you a family. And so I thought, how many times in my life is the Lord answering my prayers? And for whatever reason, I can't know about it right now, but he's behind the scenes working on it, lining things up. Making sure it's all going to happen just at the right time for me to know that, and and that really, just that knowledge of that, really encouraged me quite a bit.
0: Oh, oh, wow, that's great to willing to work for His good pleasure. I had this awesome experience
2: that I got to observe not too long ago. Um, Derek and Royce were having a kind of difficult discussion, and I was. On the couch, but not really in the discussion. And Royce, you know, he's been in so many homes that that it's hard for him to really believe he's going to be in ours for a long time. And Derek looked at him and he said, I gave you my name. I've given you everything I have you're not going anywhere. You know, you are my son. And I have thought about that moment quite a few times and just thought how often we kind of hide from the Lord when we do things wrong, you know, or when we don't obey and, and we think, oh man, you know, I've blown it this time. And yet he's given us his name. He's given us everything he has and he's not going anywhere because we have, you know, messed up in some way or because we've resisted him, he doesn't resist us, you know.
0: That's beautiful. Because I do, our kids try to push us away just as hard as they can, just to see what's going to happen, in the, especially in the first couple of years. And we have to keep telling them over and over, we're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. But we do that with the Lord. Wow, that those are both great answers to that. Thank you. I've asked this question several times because this year, 2021, I felt like is, for me, is a year of hope. I'm one of those people that I like to try to look on the best side of everything and there's a lot of things around us that people almost enjoy looking at and all this happened and this happened and there's so much gloom and doom. But I feel like if we're looking for it, God is trying to show us hope. What have you seen as hope maybe in this past year? Well you've adopted this past year. That's very (laughs) hopeful. But people kept talking
2: about twenty twenty being such a horrible year and we said, you know, our daughter graduated high school in 2020. We got Royce in 2020. We celebrated 25 years of being married in 2020. It wasn't all bad. You know, there there were plenty of silver linings there to look at. But I think for us right now, seeing where the Lord has brought our first adopted son, Michael, he's, I don't know if we even said it, he did not know the Lord when he came to us, and he's in Bible school now to be a children's pastor, (laughs) and he says part of the reason is he really wants to get to kids while they're still young, you know, before the world gets to them, and while they're still reachable, Mm -hmm. he really wants to um, be to them what he needed when he was their age. And so now walking through another 15-year-old adoption, we just keep saying, seeing what the Lord has done in him in five years mm-hmm. gives us so much hope yes. for what the Lord can do in our newest son in the next five years. But also seeing how much we've grown mm-hmm. and and who we've become and how much, how much more selfless our other kids have become mm-hmm. gives us a lot of, just a lot of hope for what the next five years look like. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't imagine our lives without adoption either. And you're like, God doesn't want us. His best plan for us is not comfort and empty nesting and just hanging out on the couch, watching Netflix all day. Well, that's 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 the great American dream, not necessarily the Lord's plan. (laughs) No, it's not what's going to be best for me. So what is something low key you guys make high key? What do you think?
1: You know, for me, I, I, I like things to be kind of straight and organized. And so we have the staircase and every time I find something at the kids, I go sit it on the staircase. <laughs> and every time I have this hope that when they Help. see it on the staircase, that they're going to pick it up and take it up to their room and put mm. it up in the right spot. And every time that never happens. And I'm constantly amazed at the number of times our boys can step over their shoes and their bags and their books and and see all and go upstairs. And I mean for weeks it will sit there oh, in the yeah. staircase.
0: No, they'll they'll yeah, they can go forever. You're just like I mean, it's just like walking watching a sock just to see if it'll magically hop up, but no.
1: Well, and some of our boys saw us could hop up and walk away. Oh and yeah. So so, so gross. <laughs> yes, yes. It's just amazing <laughs> to me that they that they don't see those things and just step over it all the time. Oh no. Yeah.
0: mm. I love it now that my daughters are, you know, they have their own homes, and one of them has kids, and it's just so funny. They're little neat freaks now, I'm not, I'm not little, but you know. And I'm just, it makes me laugh. One of them's like, "I love uncluttered life," and they're one of them's living in a tiny home in Seattle, and she has no clutter at all. And I'm like, it's just so funny how they right. they do grow out of that. They do. So mm-hmm. that's good. How about you, Jennifer?
2: Well, I have multiple personalities. I think I am not. The neatest and tidiest person um, in general. I mean, it's it's okay. It's picked up mostly, but I'm not that deeply organized, except in my kitchen in the drawer where all of the baking things go. Baking is my fun therapy.
1: <laughs> and
2: I love through I love through goodies. and so I have, all these little plastic sections in my, this giant drawer and the whisks go here and all the measuring (laughs) cups and spoons go here and all the different sizes of cookie scoops go here. And it's very organized and it's like wolves unload the dishwasher right. and just they just throw it. They all, just throw it all in there, yeah. and it makes me crazy. <laughs> right. And I'm like, don't you see all the other whisks? And you cannot just put the whisk next to the other mm-hmm. whisk. They're all labeled. No, of course, but. they actually are not labeled because I assume that you can look down and see <laughs> those are all whisks. I should. Yeah, yes. I should put this one. The, this really is like fun. Mayonnaise. I should
0: get you to come over and do mine. Except yes. I don't really bake all that much anymore. I'm sorry. I, as a matter of fact, I told Stan. You know, I said I think Jennifer's a foodie, <laughs> so I really am intimidated to cook for you. But we well, can make could, cookies. Don't
2: don't be intimidated. <laughs> don't be
0: intimidated. <laughs> but no, that's great. Yeah, Stan laughed when you said whisks, like plural. <laughs> plural, like we have. Oh, there uh, are. Many whips. Many whips. All different sizes. sizes. That's so fun. I always admire my friends that do that. So I love that you shared your story today. Is there anything else that you want to share that we didn't touch on that you can think of?
2: I don't know if you have talked with anybody about the grief side of adoptions that don't work out, or when foster placements that you're like, you mentioned a friend having a foster child for two years, and he's about to move on, there is a lot of grieving that goes on, that you choose to do, because Mm -hmm. you choose to put yourself out there for a child that may or may not stay with you, you know, and I think that's uh, my friends that foster repeatedly. Mm -hmm. I think I don't know how in the world they do this, you know, and what a beautiful thing that is. And so that even that piece has been a really sweet process to walk through with the Lord. Why did you do this? Why did you let me love this child? Mm -hmm. And yet I trust you in what you're doing and I see a new side of you because of this and so I don't know if you have talked
0: much about that but that might be a but good the child that you guys were not able to adopt mm-hmm. we don't know why that happened with you guys but we know that he led you that direction for some reason
2: well, at, at minimum, we know that we got, that we Head wouldn't have met Royce or brought mm-hmm. him home if it hadn't been for this right. other little boy. And so I'm, you know, I think that there's probably a, a bigger purpose to it than that. I choose to believe that I was the Lord's hands and feet to him at that moment that he needed it. But I know for sure that, that that time and getting licensed is why we have Royce. And so right. that's, that's a precious I know. Piece I love to
0: it. get to see those pieces. We don't always get to see that. But I really appreciate you guys, and especially for bringing in two 15 or almost fifteen-year-old boys. <laughs> That's amazing, and you know, just to give them this life that you've blessed them with, and they've blessed you with. I yeah. know you would say as well. Well, so if you
2: want to post our email address for grocery donations, uh, <laughs> oh my goodness, boys! <laughs> All those teenage yes. boys,
0: I know no that's great but I'm I kidding appreciate don't post my email yeah letters. I won't it's
1: okay no <laughs> I
0: really appreciate you guys so much coming on to do this
1: well, it's been our pleasure thank, thank, you. thank you for it's asking us We'd I'm glad we're friends it's so exciting yes. I love it
0: I really appreciate Jennifer and Derek and the choice they made to take in not one but two 15 year old boys sometimes it's easy to think teens are too set in their ways for us to be able to make any difference at all The Moffat family is proof that this is not the case. These two gave one of my very favorite answers to the Adopting It Forward question when Derek said, How, like so many of us, we just don't feel like God is doing anything. We're praying and praying and asking and asking, and we're like, Nothing is happening, God, do you even hear me? Like Michael was, he was waiting for his forever family. And God heard his cry, but he was working all the details behind the scenes and Michael didn't even know anything about it. Just like us, we're constantly feeling that. Chances are God is doing something in all of our lives right now, and it's really hard to be patient. Thank you guys so much for listening. Until next week, let's all keep adopting it forward. Thank you so much for listening. Can you do me a huge favor? If you're enjoying the adoption stories, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode which drops every Wednesday. It would also really help if you could leave a positive review. Five stars if you've got them. Do you or someone you know have an adoption story to tell? please reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, or through our website at largeentrywilliams.org. You can also find our show notes there. Today's show was edited by Will Rice. The whole thing was put together by my favorite guy, Stan. The website, largeentrywilliams.org, is managed by Leslie Serrano. Unconditional love and occasional mischief provided by Golden Doodles, Gus, and Coach. Thanks again for listening. Let's encourage each other as we are Adopting It Forward.